Good to see you. Good to be with you this morning. Uh, you can have a seat. My name's Eric Hill. Uh, I am the, the lead pastor here. And the kids, you guys can be dismissed. Redeemer kids, you can head downstairs with Mr. Glenn there in the back. Have a great time learning uh, more about Jesus and his impact in your life. So uh, we're excited and thankful for so many kids uh, to be a part and young families to be a part of our church. Uh, grateful for you. Also grateful today. So three of the four who are up here uh, singing and leading us in worship this morning did not know they were going to be doing that until about you know, an hour ago <laughs> or so. Uh, we had to call a few audibles this morning, so grateful for, for Will, Amelia, Maddie helping lead us today, um, and uh, guys, and Justin even playing on the cajon today, and so thankful for that. Be praying, as Austin did, uh, for Blake. Uh, he's our worship leader, main worship leader, who leads us each week, and um, dealing with an issue with his eyes uh, as he was coming this morning. He's like, if you're like leading him, <laughs> it's like he's going to run into chairs and stuff. And so it was probably not going to be best for him to lead uh, today. So I'll just be praying for him. His name's Blake uh, as well. Well, we're going to be in our passage of scripture this morning. We're going to be in a, a few passages of scripture, but mainly in Romans chapter 10. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn with me and encourage you uh, to turn uh, to your copy of God's word to Romans chapter 10. Uh, maybe growing up, you maybe memorized a couple of these verses that are found uh, in this chapter. We're going to look at that, but really the verses uh, following. I read this quote, it probably impacted me, so Redeemer Community Church exists, um, uh, it really started, like the idea of it forming uh, really about almost two years ago, not quite two years ago, uh, before my wife and I and our family moved to uh, the Buford, Decula area here, and but before that, really, God was just putting this burden. I've been a pastor for about 15 years. God was putting a burden on my heart, especially uh, po- like post during pandemic and then post pandemic, just seeing more and more churches closing their doors and campuses closing, and less people being engaged in uh, the church and in following Jesus, uh, and then also really seeing less churches being started, the difficulty that the pandemic brought, obviously. So really the statistics for the first time, and this was pre-pandemic, so like the numbers were coming out during the pandemic, that right before the pandemic, more ch- like for the first time in the research's history of this, there were more churches closing than there were new churches beginning. Uh, and that trend is obviously, sadly, is continued. And so there's a great need uh, for the gospel, even in the Bible Belt, even in uh, Georgia and all over uh, the world. As you heard and as you know, even if you look at the Weekly God, you see our passion is not just for Buford and the surrounding community, it's really the whole world. And that's what we're going to spend our time talking about this morning. But one of the quotes that really impacted my heart and is, is somewhat driven me in uh, pastoral ministry was one I came across uh, a couple years ago from Fan- Francis Chan. You may have read uh, some of his books or heard him speak at conferences and whatnot, and even heard about him leaving kind of a mega church to take his family and move overseas to reach more people uh, who needed to hear the gospel as well. He said this, and it's stuck with me uh, ever since. He says this, long gone are the days when we should be content with a bunch of people who sing loud, don't divorce, and give to missions. I now want to know I can drop off any member of my church in a city and that person could grow in Jesus, make disciples, and help start a church. 
I believe that that should be our mission, and that is one of our missions. Uh, I, would believe, I would argue it's probably one of our prominent mission statements for our church is we want to help people joyfully follow Jesus and make him known. And we want to do that, yes, right here in this community. We want to reach people with the gospel. But we also want to be a sending church that says, you know what, if God calls one of you uh, up north or calls you to another part of town or he leads you through a work transfer to another country potentially, that you could not just go and find another good church. That might be the case. But that as you've been equipped while being at Redeemer Community Church, that you could be dropped in some city if God took you somewhere and there was no good church that you could begin to start making disciples and hopefully be a part of starting a church in that community. You see, Ephesians 4.12 is a call for every pastor and, and leader in the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Our role is to equip you and my, each of us to live on mission. We've been talking on our journey as we begin this new year in 2023 of how we grow and how do we grow. We looked at first it's God's Word that grows us as we consume it, as we read it and study it, and trying to encourage each of us to spend quality time with the Lord reading this wonderful book that is God's Word. I would encourage you, try to at least set a goal of maybe a chapter a day. But like, hey, if that still is a little bit too much for you right now, start with a paragraph, a section, whatever that's going to lead you to be consistent in spending time with God. And then as you listen the second week we talked about is obeying the Word of God, the importance of responding to what God is teaching us in His Word. And then last week we talked about prayer and its impact on our relationship with the Lord, that God desires us to come to Him, to commune with Him, to fellowship with Him through prayer. We're to pray without ceasing. This is the importance. We talked about this last week as we had so many families dedicating their children to the Lord that we want to pray for them. We want to pray earnestly and, and consistently for our children to see them come to saving faith at an early age, that they would not be led astray into the temptation and the things of this world. We're praying those things, and we're called to pray, and these are ways that God grows us. But one aspect that I want to talk about this morning is this aspect of growing in following Jesus and making Him known. Look at God's Word if you have it in front of you, Romans chapter 10. I'll read from verse 9. It's the, the mo probably the most famous, one of the most famous verses in all of Romans. Romans is a book that Paul, the apostle, wrote, and really this is like an exposition of the gospel. Really, this is a wonderful book. It is heavy. I will, I will say it's heavy, but it will help you grasp the truth and the reality and the, the hope that we have of, of and in the gospel. And as he's writing, he's writing about this, the, how the Jews had, had not obeyed and had not listened to God and his word. And now this has opened up all these doors for the Gentiles and all people to come to saving faith in him. And here's what God's word says, starting in verse 9. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, here is the call of every person who has ever lived is to put your faith, to confess Christ with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, to confess him 
and believe in your heart. These confession and belief really are going hand in hand. It's, this, it's the same, it's the, you know, two sides of the same coin. The confession comes from belief in who Jesus is and surrender to him as Lord, he says here. God will, and he says, and you believe that he is risen from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and saved. Again, same side of the coin, or two sides of the same coin. But look at verse 11, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Listen, here's the call. The call is this. All people, is, <laughs> salvation is available to all people. It is for every single person. He says, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But here's the question. If we're called to make Christ known, you know, first we're called to follow him, to, to follow him by giving him our life, by coming under his leadership, under his lordship, to surrender to Christ and to put our faith in him and him alone for salvation of our souls. If that is following Jesus, how do we go about making him known? What is the method for sharing the gospel? What is our method? How do people come to saving faith? Look with me at verse 14. Because the call is that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved, verse 13. But look at verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? He's asking four rhetorical questions. He says, how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? I want you to see the urgency in that line right there. How can people... Believe in whom they have never heard. Is it possible for someone to put their faith in Jesus if they've never heard of Jesus? The rhetorical answer is, is no, they can't. And they will not put their faith in Jesus. Because they don't know who Jesus is is. How are they going to know? How does your next door neighbor going to get to know who Jesus is if you won't tell them? Don't depend on televangelist or Facebook or Instagram or um, some other means for the gospel to get into them. What if your next door neighbor never hears the gospel because you never shared it with them? How are people to hear? How do they believe if they don't know who to believe in? Romans 1, Paul argues and says, people are, are with all without excuse. Why are they without excuse if they've never heard? How can someone be, not have an excuse if they've never heard who Jesus is? The Bible tells us that God has put in our hearts, there's this, there's this, there's this, there is this underlying knowledge of God, that there is a higher being. God has made himself, Romans 1 tells us, Paul tells us in Romans 1, God has made himself clearly known by creation itself. Creation points to a creator, and a creator leads us to a God who is over all things. But that doesn't save. That just brings knowledge about a need for something bigger and better and higher than us. But we need to hear the gospel. I want to just put it this way for you. For those of you who follow Jesus, think back to how you first heard the gospel. I loved watching last week as as these men and these families all shared verses of Scripture 
and gave comments on um, their desire to see their children come to saving faith at an early age. These children are so blessed, the grace of God in their lives, to allow them to grow up in a home and in a place where they have access to the gospel. That's a marvelous grace of God. Because when you think about it, like, when you think about your life and how you heard the gospel, what if you were born somewhere else in the Middle East? Or maybe you were born in China or somewhere else and you never hear the gospel. You could have been born anywhere. Of all places on the earth, you could have been born anywhere. But yet here, God in His sovereignty has you in this room hearing the Word of God right now from a passage of Scripture that tells us exactly how to be saved. That is a gift of grace. But how are these people going to, how do people hear the gospel? I think of my home and, and, and how my parents and my grandparents have been doing some membership interviews. And I love hearing the heritage. Just curious. Some share, like, listen, none, of my fa- none in my family. Maybe I was hearing this week, maybe a distant grandmother, potentially, maybe, was a believer. But no one else in their home. Others of you maybe could point to maybe a a mom or a grandma or maybe even possibly a great-grandparent. What a gift of grace to have that heritage of the opportunity, but ultimately it falls on our responsibility to personally confess Jesus as the Lord and believe that He has really risen from the dead and is Lord over all. But how can we hear? This method, he tells us, is this. Look at further. He says, how are they to believe in him who, uh, of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? This word preaching is not, don't, don't, don't mistake this for you got to be a preacher, myself, or a pastor to communicate the gospel. No, this word is a word that's a, a word that we use, a herald. It's someone who proclaims the gospel, who shares good news. This is every person who follows Jesus. This is the call of every follower of Jesus to share the good news, to herald the message to first your children, to your your spouse, your loved ones, your family, to your neighbors, your friends, co-workers, distant people, someone ends up at your table serving you um, at the restaurant this afternoon, or maybe um, elsewhere as you get on a plane and, and fly out of town this week for business. Maybe God puts a person in your path to hear the gospel, maybe possibly for the first time. How are they to hear without someone preaching? And hear this, verse 15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? You see, God is a sending God. He sends us on mission. He sends us into our communities. He has you in a home that you ended up in and that has next door neighbors and that has a community maybe, or maybe you're on a farm. I don't know. Maybe you have some animals that you're trying to deal with. I don't know. But maybe, maybe there's, a, there's an opportunity in your workplace. There's opportunity elsewhere in your home and in your family life that as God is sending you, I want you to see this is a beautiful thing. God sends his people to live on mission. But the great truth is this in Matthew 28, as he gives us the great commission, he makes it two incredible promises. First is this, he says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. First, it starts with his authority, his power, his authority. And then here's the great truth is this. He says, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. He has all authority. And then he says, I'm going to be with you. 
As you go and make disciples of all nations, I promise my presence to go with you. My spirit is the great comfortable will come and indwell you and will give you the words to say when you have no words to say, when you're unsure what to say in that moment as you have an opportunity opened up to you. You see, the method is that God uses people to proclaim the gospel. He doesn't just use special people. He doesn't use, you know, like elders. It's just elders that can do this and deacons. He doesn't just use uh, these super, super missionaries who are willing to, to move and go across the globe to share the gospel. He uses everyday, ordinary people to communicate the gospel. Right now, downstairs, Mr. Glenn is teaching our children. And as he's teaching our children, God is using him to help our kids hear the truths of God's Word, to hear who Christ is and to learn who He is. Maybe today is the day of salvation for one of our children. Maybe today is the day for one of you. Who knows when God is working through your teaching and through your proclaiming the truth. But here's the response is we're called to go and make disciples. That is the method. The method He uses is people. And here's what I want to do. I want to give you a couple examples this morning from Scripture. And then I want to give you an example that's happening right now, a uh, long ways away on the other side of the world, and to hear um, what God's doing through a people group who never heard the gospel until about a few months ago, about a month ago. And to hear how God is using uh, missionaries and people who are living sent to communicate the gospel. So if you have a Bible, turn with me just really briefly to Acts chapter 10. So you're in Romans, you just turn, I went the wrong way, uh, you turn just the next book uh, after, you know, when you get into Romans, just come back a little bit, and then you're in Acts. In Acts chapter 10, I want you to see a couple of examples uh, from God's Word. So the method of evangelism, by God's grace, He has tasked His followers to be the heralds of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're His ambassadors, Scripture tells us. We're the one who are called to go. So I want you to see this as an incredible example of how God is using people who are sent to proclaim the gospel, and that is every one of us who, are who claim to be followers of Jesus. Acts chapter 10, look at verse 1. It's this really pretty unique story, and I want you to see it here. He says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. I want you to just stop for a second. This man fears God. He, hears, he believes that there is a God, but he does not know Jesus. This man does not know Jesus. He's never heard of Jesus potentially, but he fears God. He believes there is one God, and his, he wants to know who Jesus is. Now, how is he going to hear the gospel? How is Cornelius going to come to saving faith? If we follow Romans' method, he needed a preacher. He needed not just a, I don't want to use the word preacher. He, want, he needs someone to tell him who Jesus is. He needed someone to communicate the gospel, his sinfulness and his need of a Savior, and that Jesus has died to take your place, and he has risen forevermore, and that can give you hope of eternal life if you will just put your faith in Jesus alone for salvation. Now, could an angel have done that? He had a vision, right? 
Here he has this vision, and this vision, this angel, doesn't say, hey, let me tell you, I see that you're pursuing God and want to know who God is. Let me tell you in your vision. Here's Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. He lived a sinless life. This angel could have taught and could have taught this man and shown him in this vision who Jesus was. But God never, ever does this in the Scriptures. God doesn't use an angel to communicate the gospel. You know who he uses? Always people. Here's a man who's pursuing God, trying to, not saved, not converted, not a follower of Jesus because he doesn't know who Jesus is. So what does God do? He gives him this vision. Look at verse 3 again. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one named Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and devout soldiers from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now here's how God was working. God also then gives Peter a vision. And Peter, who, if you remember, he's one of the twelve. He's one of the disciples, one of the followers of Jesus. God's sending him to proclaim the gospel, and now God's going to use him to get the gospel to the Gentile world, this man named Cordelius. And so guess what Peter is going to do? He is going to have a vision, and he is going to go. And you know what he's going to do? If you kept reading, and you can feel free to keep reading. If you look down towards the end, you get to verse 25. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. Don't worship me. You're worshiping the wrong guy. This isn't, I'm not God. And he talked with him, and he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection, and I asked them why you sent for me. And Cornelius again gives him and talks to him how he was praying and had this vision. And if you keep going and you look at verse 34, so Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And so he goes on to explain the gospel to him, and him and his whole household and all these people receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, this is how God works. God doesn't just show you visions and you trust in Jesus. He maybe gives you a vision, to, to, but what does he do? He answers your request and he will always send someone to present the gospel to you. The Ethiopian eunuch, as he is going down the road, he has a copy of God's word in him. He's, by the grace of God, he has a copy of God's word. And by the grace of God, he happens to be in Isaiah 53. And as he's reading the suffering servant, and it's telling us about what Jesus was going to endure, the, the Messiah, he would be crushed for our iniquities. And he's going, I don't understand. What does God do? He sends Philip, and he sends Philip to explain to him the scriptures, and he trusts in Jesus, and then he's baptized. I tell you these stories to help hopefully cultivate an urgency. God saves people. Let's not minimize that. It, it, let's maximize that to the highest level. God does the saving, but he uses people. And that is our command and our commission. 
is to make Him known in the areas that He has sent us. In, in, in John chapter 4, we get to see an amazing picture. But before we get to John 4, I want you to see uh, how God works, even among this people group um, that has never heard the gospel before in their language. And there is a testimony of grace that came. And I want you to hear this before we play this clip on the screen. So I'm going to put your attention to the screens. Before I play this clip, and you probably have to turn it up a little bit. It's a little soft. Um, but before we watch this clip, this is Chad and Martha Earl. These are missionaries that we have been able to partner with in reaching um, this people group with the gospel. They have gone all of history without ever hearing the gospel in their name. But here's the man that you're about to hear from. Reminds me so much of Cornelius. He was sending out letters asking for people to come. Wanted to hear and know. He knew there must be something more, and so he asked. And God answered his request and sent Chad and Martha Earl um, to share the gospel. So I want you to play this um, testimony of faith. Okay, You see, this is, it took some people answering a call to say, I'll go. Chad and Martha Earl are missionaries there who have lived with these people for years, learned their language, loved them, learned their culture, tried to ingrain themselves there to teach them how to read, to teach them so that over the past few months they've been able to share the story of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. And so right around Christmas they were getting to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then so, as Austin mentioned last week, about 84 
um, have now put their faith in Jesus, and this is one of them. And this is the one, as they were sharing in one of their updates, who uh, had sent let was trying to send letters to get people to come to tell them about who God is. You see, God always, He will always, we, we look at the world and we say, man, there are over probably about 3 billion people, and that is probably a light estimate. 3 billion people. Even if we go with, um, with going with statistics and those kind of things of saying who profess to follow Jesus, we're talking about over 3 billion people, really probably close to, close to 5 billion people, are not followers of Jesus, and almost, almost three billion of those people have never even heard the gospel. They've never heard who Jesus is. They don't know that, but ultimately, we don't, we don't say, well, then it's, it's, it's their fault for not knowing, their fault for, it's like, no, no, no. It is our responsibility to get the gospel to the nations. I see William Carey, a great missionary, um, he had, had told one of his good friends, and he told this, he's like, I'm willing to go into the trench. I'm willing to go into the pit. And he said, if you'll just hold the rope. So some people are senders. Some people are churches and ministries who send, and we want to invest financially. God has blessed us, so we, so we help send, and we're going to hold the rope for people who are willing to go into the pit, who are willing to give up everything to go. But here's the thing. It's not just all over the world. It is all over the world, but it also is right around your corner is right in your neighborhood. It is right in your own home, potentially. It's probably in your family who are far from God. And here's the question. It goes back to Romans 10. How will they know and how will they believe if someone doesn't tell them? It's shame on us for not telling them. Shame on us for being ashamed of Jesus and, not being, and being worried what someone thinks and not sharing the hope of the gospel. This is our mission. Our mission, and we are to live sent we live on mission. We're called to go. And I want to I want to end just by looking at one more illustration of this method of evangelism. And it's by Jesus himself in John and John chapter 4. Just really briefly, John chapter 4. This is the Samaritan woman. The woman at the well. And Jesus uh, in one of my I've said this before, one of my favorite King James lines, he says, "I must needs go through Samaria." Uh, and so I just use that phrase every once in a while. I must needs some more pancakes, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And so Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria because he had, he knew there was a person there that needed to hear the gospel. This woman had been married about five times and was now living with someone and, uh, who was not even married. I mean, she was searching. She was going to the well of things of this life. She was trying everything to seek happiness, and it just never worked, and it was kept, kept failing, kept failing. She felt a failure, and here she is at noontime, the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, because that was the only time she could probably go, because there would not be men going at the middle of the day. So she's avoiding all these people, maybe the shame, that knowing that people would look down on her for her lifestyle. But Jesus knew, and he was not going to miss an appointment to meet with her. And so he goes and he tells her about living water, that she can have living water. And she's like, well, tell me about it. Where can I find it? And he eventually explains who he is, that he is the source of living water and that he is the Messiah. And she's like, well, I don't know. I've heard this and that. And he explains the gospel to her. And here's her response. And I want this to be our response to the gospel. Look at verse 28, John chapter 4, uh, verse 28. 
So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And so they went out of the town and were coming to him. She responds to the gospel. She responds to belief in Christ. And what is her response? Let me go tell other people about who this one who is offering living water. Let me show you who he is. Let me show you and point you to who he is. And look at verse 30. It continues. And they went out of the town and were coming to him. And then skip down to verse 39. So many Samaritans from that town. Notice this. I have this, circle, I have this verse underlined in my Bible and I've circled the word because. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. They believed as she went and told them, this man knew that I was living in sin and had lived a life of sin, but yet he loved me enough to come to me and offer me life to the fullest, living water. She was searching and searching, and maybe many of us are searching for hope and satisfaction. We're pursuing it in career, finances, relationships, all kinds of things, our children, other things, being a mom, being a dad, all these things. We can try to find satisfaction and bring us joy and hope, and we're going to one well after the other, and all these wells are dry. They have cracks in them. They're broken. This is what God warned them in the Old Testament, that the Israelites were going after broken cisterns that could not hold water when right in front of them was God who had living water that would never run dry. And this is the hope of the gospel is that if we do confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God is raised from the dead, you can be saved. And then here's the call. It's to go and tell others. And so the hope is that because of your testimony, others will come to saving faith in Christ alone. But far be it from us to ignore the spirits drawing us to others. In our small group this week, um, Glenn, who I was mentioning is teaching our kids downstairs today, he was sharing about one of the most, uh, he said like probably the most evangelistic person he ever knew. And he's like, one day he asked me to meet him at Waffle House. And he was, as he was telling us the story, he goes to meet him at the Waffle House. And this guy, he's just, he said he, every day he would pray, Lord, put someone in my path today that I can um, share the gospel to, that I can share the hope of the gospel to. And so every day, it wasn't like he just prayed it. Many of us maybe pray something like that, but we're not actively watching. Well, this guy, he actively watches. And he said, when I met him in the Waffle House, I looked and he had us sitting there and I, I watched him as he's just looking around. He's gazing the room and, he, and Glenn asked him, he said, like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm looking for who that is that God wants me to go tell the gospel to. And sure enough, he identified the person. He goes up to him and sits with him and shares the gospel with him. And this person, he's like, I see him over there and they're crying and they're talking and praying. And here's someone who is so in tune with the Spirit and is asking, God, will you show me who I can share the hope of the gospel with? And then in boldness, respond to that. I just want to give you it's something that we've used. and We've talked about it uh, several times. I don't know if we have recently. Uh, is really there's a simple acrostic that is a great tool for us as we go about trying to share the hope of the gospel with others. And it's really simply put is bless to bless others. Obviously, we want to be a blessing. We have been blessed by God. God has been gracious to us. We should be a blessing to others. And really, it's just simply this. Is one is, is the B, and the first uh, word of that is to begin with prayer. 
Listen, start your day with prayer. God, who is it that I need to be paying attention to their needs and need to share the gospel with? Begin with praying. Listen for opportunities is the L. So B, and then our L is to listen for opportunities. Pay attention to need. Like, open your eyes. Listen as the Spirit of God is putting it on your heart. Maybe, maybe there's a person that's on the side of the road that is, has a tire issue, and you're like, you know what, I, I, I'm real busy and all this stuff, but I have the time. I can stop and I can help. And guess what? That opportunity may lead to a, a gospel conversation. Listen. The E is to eat, to share meals with people. Like, listen, one of the best opportunities to get to know people and to have a deeper relationship is to have them in your home and share bread and food together with someone. Share a meal with these people. Invite them into your home. Eat with people and be hospitable, as Scripture tells us. And of the two S's, the first is, is serve. Look for needs and serve. Meet needs. Pay attention to needs and look, how can I help? How can I be a blessing by serving one another? And then finally is the other S is story. Share the hope of the gospel. Share as this woman did. Notice this. Many many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She was pointing people to who Jesus is. It wasn't just about her. It was about who Jesus is. Listen, you can tell them your story, but make sure God is the big part of your story. Make sure he is the one who has died for you. The one who has given his life for you is the primary point of the story, but share the hope of the gospel. Listen, I, will sh- I, will, I promise you, you will grow. You will grow immensely in your walk with the Lord as you begin to be faithful in sharing the gospel with others. This is another step in growing to follow Jesus this year. And I encourage you, like, let's be a people who follow Jesus and also make him known. Let me pray. Father, we thank you again. We thank you for this glorious gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who came and lived the life that we should have lived. We live a sinful life. We're apart from you, God. We are broken. We uh, pursue our own selfish desires, and yet here you are, Jesus. Live the perfect life. Never once give in to temptation. Never once had an evil thought. Never once did an evil deed. You were perfect in all of your thoughts and in all your ways, and you lived the life that we should have lived, but we're incapable of living. And then you paid the price. You died the death that we deserved. Jesus, what grace. Oh, how we need you. God, you are our existence. The reason that we are even able to live and move is because of Christ, our sustainer. Father, help us to not get ashamed of you and not share the hope of the gospel with the people around us. Father, forgive me personally where I've not listened to the needs around me and not paid attention to needs, been more aware of the, the, the gospel need. God, may this lead us to urgency that you use people to share the gospel. You don't just use visions and angels and other things. You use people to proclaim the gospel. So help us to do that. Help us to be a people who live on mission, making you known in this community and in this world. So help us, God. Help us to respond with worship, surrender, and a great desire to make you known in our lives and in this community. In Jesus' name, amen.